Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Hold on. You're doing a... That's an Olympics music thing, right? Okay. It's a good theme. That was pretty good. Who wrote that? No. John Williams, composer of Superman, Harry Potter, and Indiana Jones, all those movies. I had no idea. Star Wars, obviously. I didn't know that. That's a John Williams joint. Is that the official? I mean, that's just like for the, that's the Olympics theme just for us here. That is actually a really good right? question. Like they're I, not playing that. I think you know, it's the official one like all over. In I Rio. Mean, well, no. I mean, like if people were watching the Olympics in Rio, they're not playing that music, they are they? Are they? Are they? Or is it? I mean, that's got to just be in the I US, don't right? Know. I, I mean, I think it's their theme. I don't think you would buy. The one. Olympics theme? I don't think you would buy, like, okay, if you're the Olympic, I don't think you would buy an Olympics theme and be like, no, I don't think this John Williams music is going to fly internationally. I think it's probably for the well, world. You never, I mean, tastes are different. Maybe not this everybody digs that. This is not the way to begin our podcast. Well, obviously, I'm talking about the Olympics. Um, and that was we, the that was the theme music to the Olympics. As I guess. by the Justin Pops Orchestra. Yes. <laughs> um but uh, we're continuing our Olympics coverage this 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 uh, during the Olympics. Our 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 own version of Olympics yeah, coverage. We're not going to tell you anything about the events or who's winning them or anything actually pertaining to the current Olympics that are happening. Uh, we want to talk about medical issues, sort of surrounding the Olympics. Okay, so or uh, hopefully not. Yeah, with any luck. Give me an example. Well, uh, for example, how about some performance-enhancing drugs? Absolutely. I thought we should talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Now, let's hope that uh, nobody's using these. Nobody's ever used any performance-enhancing drugs. Well, that's not true. No, they're that's a myth. The, the Olympics have a long history, uh, specifically the Summer Olympics. Yeah, because nobody cares enough to cheat in the Winter Olympics, right? No, I don't know why. I just, a lot of the things that I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about performance-enhancing drugs, and a lot of the things I'm going to talk about, it was specifically mentioned, were more popular in the Summer, summer Olympics and the Winter Olympics, and then they, they even say, like, in the Winter Olympics, there's rarely any doping. I don't know why. Like, it's the, too cold okay. to bother? Like, I think I, part of it is <laughs> that the, sure. the Winter Olympics are, if you'll forget the expression, chill. A lot of the events there are like you stand at the top of a hill and wait. That's skiing. You stand on top of a hill in a sled and that's bobsledding or t- uh, toboggan race. 
Now, you've watched these events before, and you know they go down the hill at some point, right? Yeah, but that doesn't require any effort on their part. Gravity takes care of it, is what I'm saying. Do you understand? It's just easy. You just chill out and wait. I, I would say that some of the Winter Olympians would disagree. Uh, let's see. I'll name all of them. There's the one where you ski and shoot stuff. That's half hard, I guess. Um, skating, okay, you got me there. But that's all the Winter Olympics, so... Right. Well, let's just focus on the summer ones since that's what's going on right now. Okay, got it. Um, and, and let me clarify, too. I want to talk about some performance-enhancing drugs, uh, some specifically used in Olympics and then just in general in sports. You know, mm-hmm. these people want to do well in all sports, I guess. And this was um, inspired by John Boyce, who has done a really cool video on one particular use of performance-enhancing drugs in the Olympics. Um, Which Olympics? Uh, the, it was the 1904 Olympics, specifically the marathon. It was a real debacle, right? Yes. And uh, and that kind of inspired me to look into some other crazy substances that athletes have used over time to try to boost their performance, similar to cupping that we talked about last week. If you haven't seen John's great video series, Pretty Good, it's, uh, it's well, it's really good. It's not just pretty good, and you can <laughs> find it on... Uh, YouTube or uh, SBNation.com, I believe. And I would highly recommend it, not just the one that I'm in. No, it's a great series. Uh, so we've we talked about a little bit of this, too, on the arsenic episode, that arsenic has been used throughout history as a, mm-hmm. a uh, performance-enhancing drug. But there's a lot of other substances that we would think of traditionally as, like, dangerous or poisonous that uh, have also. So I, I use the word doping, a few minutes ago. Right. The Do you know where the word doping comes from? No, I mean, I know loosely what you mean by it, but... Right. When I say doping, I mean like using using some sort of performance-enhancing drug. Uh, it comes probably from the Dutch word dupe, which is some sort of viscous opium juice. And that was the performance-enhancing drug of choice for oh, the wow. ancient Greeks. Oh, wow. In the Olympics. That's wild. Yes. So dupe and then doping and there you go. Uh, of course, now when we say it, we don't necessarily mean opium juice. We often don't. Um, the ancient Greeks were fans of using this to perform better in sports, as well as eating a lot of meat was one of their tricks of the trade and drinking a lot of wine and then sometimes eating animal testicles. You know, I saw uh, a report <laughs> on uh, Vox.com. We're just going through all the, the Vox properties today, but I saw a report in there that um, Olympic athletes are actually getting a lot healthier with their diets, which is wild if you think about the fact that they weren't healthy before, but there used to be a lot more like carbo-loading and, mm-hmm. and calorie intake, and, and but I guess athletes are getting a lot more... Uh, diligent about their diets not well, and not eating a lot of animal testicles i don't know how many fewer a few they're definitely fine. cutting back on animal testicles you gotta live right it was uh in the third century in greece it was common for olympic competitors to use shrooms as in magic mushrooms what psychedelic shrooms to gain advantages in races so uh how did the marathon go well it was going pretty good i was winning then halfway through, I decided to run into a ditch and become a fish there. And I lived there in a kingdom made of cotton candy. And it was, like, so good and, like, really kind of an awakening for me in a way that, like, I dealt with a lot of stuff with my dad that I had never – it was great. It was a good marathon is what I'm saying. It was a really good marathon. But then the weird thing is I guess then you got up and won the race because people did it. Well, if everybody did it, that would be like the best. That, that would be, be fun the, to watch. Can you imagine how much more fun? Ratings off the charts. <laughs> 
just just think about that, NBC. Just think about it. Uh, in the Roman chariot races, not necessarily an Olympic event, uh, but a, a sporting-esque event, um, they would often dope in some way. Uh, you take some substance, a lot of the things we've already mentioned, but they would also dope their horses. Uh, specifically, they would feed them um, substances like hydromel, which is this um, alcoholic beverage that was made from fermenting honey, and they thought it would make them run faster. So, why, why honey? Why would that? I guess it energy. You feel yeah. energetic. Maybe? So, well, for whatever reason, they thought this alcoholic beverage would make your horse run really fast. So, dope up your horse so that you can win your chariot race. Um, <laughs> that should be legal. You should be able to give whatever you want to your horse. Like, no, I understand what? why you can't. I That's understand. abusing animals. No, you shouldn't. You should give your horse what horse food. Horse food. <laughs> Whatever. I don't have horses, so I don't have to know how to take care of them. But people who do probably feed them appropriate food for horses, and they should continue to do so. <laughs> you don't. So you don't know that heroin isn't part of like a, a horse diet. I have a strong suspicion. Fair. Uh, gladiators also used to use uh, performance enhancing drugs, which I kind of can't blame them for. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, it's a it's a tough gig out there. It's a little different than, like, I just didn't meddle at the Olympics, too. I died. I so died. I died. somebody stabbed me and spilled my guts all over the sand, yeah. So they would use hallucinogens as well. Um, as Not good. Also... Bad, bad job. Uh, things that were perceived as stimulants, such as uh, strychnine, which we're going to talk a little bit more about strychnine in particular, um, to stave off fatigue and to try to be more intense and stay and fight longer and survive longer to kill more things longer so that it would be a better fight and because i guess if you won you probably got a lot more money yeah or prestige or something. or something some a sponsorship deal mainly you live yeah you don't die that's you the don't. biggest yeah that's prize. a huge plus um the uh the aztec warriors in order to gain strength before different events they would engage in uh would eat human hearts now is that is that permitted should that be permitted you know, um, I'm going to say that Olympic athletes aren't allowed to eat human hearts, but at the same time on that list that the, you know, that the IOC has of, of performance enhancing drugs that you're not allowed to take, I bet you human hearts isn't on there. Yeah. Hey, can I ask a quick question about that? Yeah. Um, the, we talked about cupping, mm -hmm. um, last week and somebody mentioned that, uh, if it was effective, wouldn't it be banned by the IOC? So, like, generally speaking, do you, is it, do we ban stuff that's like more chemical or? Uh, yeah. I mean, generally speaking, yes. And, and also something that is perceived to give you an unfair advantage. If it's within the realm of like normal medical care or normal like physical therapy kind of, you know, things that you mm -hmm. would just do to take care of your muscles and bones and joints, then I, you're okay. Something available to everybody and, and legal and safe. That's the other thing too, is it safe? Mm -hmm. Um, which uh, we talked about cupping. You could, you could make a case that it isn't. Um, but the other thing is that would it actually give you an advantage? And we have no reason to think cupping does. Oh, so, but, yeah, right. but yeah, I mean, the big reason when they started and we'll kind of get into this, but the big reason when they started banning these substances had a lot to do with how dangerous they were. Yeah. First. Yeah. And then the unfairness second. It makes sense. Um, the, uh, there was a tribe from Northern Mexico that used to be famous for doing peyote in order to run a lot. 
Really? Yeah. It seems I don't know much about peyote, but it seems like the last thing I'd want to do. The best theory I could come up with is just that like you don't realize how much you're running. <laughs> I guess that works for like alcohol or is like teleportation. If you get drunk enough, you're just like, whoa, I walked home. Amazing. How did I get there? The drunk the drunk walk is the best walk. Yeah. It's the I, fast walk. I don't recommend that. Don't drunk walk. Don't drunk walk. Don't no. be, what, are you, who are you, what podcast did you hear that from? Don't no, do that. I didn't tell you to do that. Don't get drunk. And if you do, go to bed. What are you doing? Are you You're doing? an adult. You're Look up too late. Time. You Go don't to work bed. in the morning. Come on. Uh, now, I mentioned strychnine, and strychnine was used very, I don't want to say commonly, but for a time period, very commonly, in uh, races and endurance events, anything that you would have to keep going for a long time. Um, and it's because it is somewhat similar to caffeine. Okay. Like the molecular structure, it is somewhat like caffeine. And so it is a stimulant, except whereas caffeine just, you know, worst case scenario makes you feel kind of jittery sure. and on edge. Strychnine, if you take too much, can kill you. That's a big difference, actually. <laughs> that is, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty big. Strychnine in pills, sort of like caffeine pills would have been used. Like this is Jesse Spano of the early 1900s <laughs> would have been dancing to I'm so excited and taking strychnine. That would be a very different episode, by the yeah. way. Yeah, much more. You know what? Much more intense. Uh, sure. More serious. Yeah, a lot the more stakes serious. would be a lot higher. Also, where'd she find it? You know, uh, it's not well, like caffeine pills. Well, if it's the ni- early 1900s, you can buy it over the counter in tonics and of various, yeah, various preparations, pills, and things that are sold or are sold for stimulants. Yeah, not surprising. Yeah. Um, now, because it is, it I don't know. Maybe it would help a little bit. Maybe you know. I mean, that's fair. I, one Olympian did win a gold medal on strychnine. So, wow. So, it is possible. Um, a, a slightly stranger um, performance enhancing drug that I found was uh, in ancient Egypt. Um, they used to take donkey hooves, the Abyssinian donkey, and powder them. Okay. And that was popular. You would boil that in oil, and then you wanted to add some rose hips to that because. Well, for flavor. For flavor. Yeah, right. Uh, so that was, I don't know, uh, my best guess for the theory on that was like, because donkeys, is the hooves, they run on those. They're good at running, I guess. I mean, you know, <laughs> could Don- I beat a donkey in a foot race? I don't know that donkeys are fast, but aren't they like incredible? Don't they have like a lot of endurance? Don't they just keep going? They would have to, yeah. I thought that they were good at that. Like donkeys just keep going. They would need to be predetermined to survive being crappy horses, which is what they are. <laughs> I don't think that's fair. I don't want to talk about donkeys, Sydney. They make me so angry. Because they're bad horses? They're just bad horses. Because they're wannabe horses? They wish. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, donkeys and donkey lovers, for Justin's (laughs) outpouring of hatred towards you. Now, baking soda. Yeah? Did you know this is used for doping? No, and that's not doping. Well, it's not illegal. (laughs) Okay. uh, But it is used as a performance-enhancing substance. So baking soda doping, which is also called just soda doping, which so I actually cool. really enjoy. Although I kind of imagine you chugging like five Crystal Pepsis before a race. Like, yeah, you're soda dopey. <laughs> yeah, do the do. It's going to give you the extreme edge. That's what that means before like the X Games. Right. You got to jam. You just, you just jam like five Code Reds and there you go. <laughs> do it you're, ready, you're ready to do your cool skateboard stunts. Goofy boneless Jesus. Uh, <laughs> all the moves, all the hit snowboarding moves. <laughs> So soda doping is still used today by some swimmers. 
So there you go. This is still this is this is old and new, old and forever. Uh, the idea behind taking baking baking soda to enhance your athletic performance is that if you're um, if you if the pH in your blood, so the acid base balance, if you can add more baking soda, make it more basic, mm-hmm. so raise that pH, then what as you start exercising you know you accumulate lactic acid as you do especially certain kinds of exercise are more anaerobic and so you get more lactic acid the point is you make an acid your blood becomes more acidic so if you're adding a base in there that process will happen more slowly is the thought process okay um that lactic acid accumulating in your muscles is what eventually makes you tired and makes you want to stop exercising so if you slow down that process you won't get tired as quickly therefore you can do things longer Okay. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. It's not illegal. Uh, They've done some studies on this, and they've shown like a teeny little benefit. Some of them have. Like maybe it really did do something. Maybe like a one to two percent increase in how fast or how long you well, that, that can run or swim small, or whatever. But like that could be enough, really, for a lot of these events. Exactly. In the Olympics, it, it could be enough. Now, um, not all studies support this. There are just as many that say, eh, maybe not, as say that it does. It's really not dangerous. If properly administered. But it's yucky. Except it can give you pretty vicious diarrhea. Whoa. Let's hope that waits till after the race, eh? That yeah. That would be a really a, a, an unfortunate Olympic spectacle. Especially in the pool. Yeah, they got enough problems in Rio. Can you not, please? Could you, you not, not? With the soda doping? It's, so. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's not illegal. The baking soda. Yeah. Um, also, one weird side note. Uh, UV rays have been experimented with. Throughout the years, I don't know, based on the idea that it gives you energy. Specifically, Mm -hmm. there have been a lot of Russian and German experiments throughout um, history where they have tried to, like, radiate runners and make them run faster. And I don't don't think that works. No, guys. No. Uh, All right. They just get get cool tans. Cool tans. What else uh, else we got, Sid? Well, Justin, I'm going to tell you all about that. But first, why don't you come with me to the billing department? Let's go. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got at two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. 
Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Attention, Europe! This fall, Maximum Fun is bringing a bunch of your favorite podcasters to London. Catch Judge John Hodgman, International Waters, and Bullseye all recording live episodes at the London Podcast Festival. We'll have fan meetups and we'll be joined on stage by a glittering array of celebrity guests. The London Podcast Festival runs September 22nd through 26th, and you can buy your tickets right now. Just go to MaximumFun.org. So, Sid, before I so rudely interrupted you, you're about to continue to surprise and delight me with the history of performance-enhancing baking soda. Now, I know after I told you all that baking soda may, who knows, may slightly enhance your athletic performance and probably isn't fatal, uh, you may be tempted to try it. Well, I've got another one that might be less appealing. Okay, I'm ready. Guinea pig sperm. Now, come on. Nope, that's the truth. Come on. So, in the 1800s, Charles Brown Sequard, and by the way, there there are other medical people out there going, I know about a Brown Sequard syndrome. Yep, it's the very guy. He also has a syndrome, unrelated to the guinea pig semen, just yeah. throwing that out there. And probably more respected in the community, <laughs> I'm going to guess. Yeah. Okay. He did some things. He was a smart guy, but he also did some I things. I just mean that, that specific achievement is yeah, probably more respected than, the one than, than what I'm about to talk into. about. Okay. Mm-hmm. He, he made an extract out of dog and guinea pig testicles, and then he injected into it, it, it into himself. And then he decided, you know what? I should record this and turn it into a science experiment instead of my dirty, <laughs> weird thing that I love. He was very much trying. He, he had this idea that there was something contained within the testicles that was... Uh, vital for your your youth and your energy and your continued vitality. And so he thought if you could make an extract out of testicles and take regular injections, that maybe that would improve your quality of life and then from that athletic performance. So not only did he use it on himself, uh, he wanted to prove, 
you know, that it could help with, you know, physical functioning and, and performance. So he gave it to a pitcher from the 1800s, James uh, Pud Galvin. You got to pick up a guy's real name. That poor guy. He that was a his hard ride. That, that was his hard uh, road nickname. Pud. Pud. Do you know um, why? Why? Because he was known for reducing batters to pudding. Oh, okay. So that's pretty good. So pretty good reason to have that nickname. Maybe his nickname was Pud then, right? Well, yeah, I guess. Pud. It looks like Pud. It does look like Pud. It's Pud. It's Pud. Anyway, anyway, he was famous. He won 364 games. He played a total of 646 games, which I guess that's a big deal. Seems that's, good. Sounds that's, like a lot of games. Let me say that's 364 more than I have won in my <laughs> personal career. The way the way that I read that sentence when I read it, it sounded like it was impressive. Anyway, because he used this, uh, it gained a lot of popularity, and it became uh, called the Browns Accord Elixir of Life. Very dramatic. Yes. Um, so how did he go about collecting this? Um, he or, or, or what did he put in this, first of all? So yeah. you needed let's, to let's give me a second to ease into collection, okay? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm not quite prepared. So in order to make the elixir of life, you need blood of the testicular veins. So you have to go into the testicular veins and extract blood, you know, hypodermic needle wise. Secondly, you need the semen. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, at this point, if we're, we're probably talking about dogs and guinea pigs that we've already, yeah, you know. The, fi- Dissected. The, the hard part about it is finding erotica that both of them can enjoy. <laughs> That's the real struggle with the making out of dogs and guinea pigs. Uh, and now, thirdly, you're just going to want to take the testicle, mm-hmm. crush it. Oh, and, no. And, uh, and you want to, I mean, you're, you're taking them out of the animal first. Like you're removing testicles. You're castrating dogs and guinea pigs. You're going to crush the testicles instantly. Like you want them crushed Fresh out of the Fresh, dog. Yeah. And then take that juice and add it in with the blood and the semen that is already there in there. That poor, th- that poor dog. Is it from the same dogs that just got their semen? Yeah. I wish they, they, but they probably didn't even know this. Was, it was their last, <laughs> one last ride. <laughs> I mean, you could mix it together from different dogs and different guinea pigs if you wanted. Yeah, I get, yeah, that's true. That, that seems like I know the job I would want if I was a dog <laughs> or a guinea pig. If, I'm sorry. Can I apply for a transfer? Uh, and then, I mean, worst worst part of it, I think, though, is after all that, you're going to put it in a syringe and inject it into your arm. Yeah. Thanks. This will make me play baseball good for 15 <laughs> minutes. Cool. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Thanks, animals. You did it again. So he used it himself, and he promoted it extensively. And and like I said, because he really believed that semen contained this thing that was a, it was essential for physical function. But he took it a step further. He also thought it was essential for intellectual function and psychological well-being. That semen was the source <laughs> of it all. Yeah, of it all. Um, as a result of that, he also firmly believed that losing too much semen made you, I mean, dumb and weak, basically. Perfect. So uh, he was an advocate of keeping your semen as a key to productivity. Oh, no. And I don't mean like in jars. I don't mean like like store it. I mean like don't. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just keep so it no lot. masturbation, certainly. But you're really better off not having sex and you certainly should never allow yourself to be castrated. He felt like that, that people seems like a pretty good rule of thumb. Generally, 
<laughs> he felt that men who were castrated definitely suffered from this. You know, I don't need um, to be good at baseball, and even I am going to heed that advice. Uh, one one quote directly from his his recount of of creating this elixir of life and what he did with it and everything that I really appreciated when he was making this argument that you can tell a difference between men who have a lot of sex or masturbate a lot and men who don't. Um, this is, this is one of the things he said. It is, it is known that well-organized men, especially from 20 to 35 years of age who remain absolutely free from sexual intercourse or any other causes of expenditure of seminal fluid are in a state of excitement, giving them a great, although abnormal physical and mental activity. Which I think is very accurate. I think if it's been a while, you're probably constantly in a state of excitement. Yeah, you were right on the money with that one. Prone to abnormal physical and mental activity. Check. That could be true of many men. Yeah, absolutely. And women. Many humans. Many human beings. Many of us who are into... Anywhere you fall in the gender spectrum, (laughs) this is pretty much going to be uh, with with rare exceptions. If, If sexual intercourse is your thing. If that is your thing. Uh, he credited it with uh, making him stronger and smarter and able to stay up later. Um, he recounted uh, ev- um, episodes of being able to lift a lot more, specifically with his forearms. He thought it made his forearms much, much stronger. Um, he he calculated the arc of his urine stream, and he felt that it was a higher arc, and it was going farther, the stream of his urination, after he started giving himself these testicle shots. And that's so important. It kept his bowels more regular. And he even describes that on days when he's having a lot of constipation, he's able to like really, like really push it out. Yeah. Just like so strong. <laughs> like he's so, he, even though it's hard, he's able to to summon the inner just will. Burn some pewter and just like do to it. To force it out. Yeah. Because of, because of these, uh, these injections. Now this sounds Crazy, I know. Bear with me for a second. Have you seen any commercials for low T? Yeah, usually it's uh, older guys playing guitars in a circle. <laughs> well, I mean, what commercials are you watching? Oh, that's probably more of a Viagra thing. The Viagra <laughs> no. thing has the old guys playing guitars in a circle. But the low T commercials are like, hey, I know you're a little bit older, but you still want to, you know, get frisky in the sack and also hang out in this waterfall and also yeah. hang glide. Rip a telephone book in half with <laughs> bare hands. I'm just saying like it, it, it's not that far off base. Okay. This kind of like, Hey, look, I started taking these injections of a male hormone and it made me stronger and smarter and faster. And my life was better. Mm-hmm. I think we see those commercials today. I'm just saying, That's fair. uh, it did, this did kick off a lot of research into hormones and endocrinology in general. So this guy is regarded in some ways as kind of a genius, but he also did this thing where he crushed dog, dog testicles and yeah, injected it in that his one arm. little misstep. So there was that too. Um, this is, I mean, and you can see where this would be based on the idea that there's testosterone and whatnot. And so did it actually do anything? I don't know, because when you're crushing them like that, what are you getting? And is it synthesized enough? And is it free or unbound anyway? There you go. Don't, don't crush dog testicles would be my advice. Fair. Or I'll- guinea pig. Now, that frees up my afternoon tomorrow, so. <laughs> now, back in the 1870s, uh, cyclists were big fans of using ether as a performance-enhancing drug. And the way you would administer that is you would just take some sugar cubes, uh, soak them in ether, and then 
if you really wanted that get up and go, if you have a long bike, bike race and maybe you've got those cobblestones that everybody keeps talking about in the current Olympics, mm-hmm. the cyclists are on cobblestones and that's a problem or something. Um, you can add some nitroglycerin and some cocaine and maybe a little peppermint for flavor. <laughs> so peppermint, cocaine, uh, nitroglycerin. Ether and, and a sugar cube. And that is how Gatorade was invented. It's like that. <laughs> Uh, I I would have said that that sounds much more similar to the formula for Mountain Dew, honestly. Yeah, fair enough. In general, uh, the the 1870s was a really rough period for endurance athletes. Um, A lot of them were using things like heroin and cocaine. There were no rules. Um, There was one uh, widely used mixture of coca leaf extract and wine called Ven Mariani. And it was specifically like dubbed the wine for athletes. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I was at the running shoe store. I saw that they had energy uh, jelly bellies for running. So that makes sense. That <laughs> it's the same thing. Same the category. wine for athletes. Uh, don't, oh, don't mind this. Sport this is, wine. This is my athletic wine. <laughs> no, no, this is, this is pro sport wine for my muscles. It, that is sort of like those commercials where you see those people like rollerblading on their lunch break and then they drink a Michelob Ultra. Yeah, right. It's sport beer. It seems like a fun day. <laughs> uh, it was... Actually, not until the 1920s that we started to see stimulants first and then other substances in the decades that followed banned kind of one by one. And since then, it's been like a series of substances pop up, people start using them, the IOC becomes aware of it, and eventually they are banned. So give me the quick timeline. So we get testosterone shows up in the 30s. Uh, Amphetamines are very popular in the 50s. Uh, Anabolic steroids, um, still a very, uh, I would say, popular performance-enhancing drug of abuse uh, in the 60s. Um, we start to see erythropoietin and other hormones in the 80s. Are you familiar with EPO? Mm-mm. This makes you have more red blood cells. Oh, weird. So you can carry more oxygen. Okay. Um, we use it in medicine, not for... Sport. Sport. We use it in medicine. Uh, what happened that really set off a lot of the um, kind of the investigation that we do into it now and how seriously it's taken in the Olympics and other professional sporting arenas now was the first death in a cyclist in 1960 who was on amphetamines. Oh, wow. Um, and that called a lot of attention to it. In 1968, um, drug testing begins and they start banning certain substances. You know, we, we are able, that's, that's a big hang up, right? Until you can actually test for them. What's the point of banning them? Yeah. You know, right, you just right. ask everybody if they used them, it's they say no. System. Yeah. <laughs> so once you can, once you can start testing people for them, then it makes sense to actually start banning things. Um, and uh, since then, we've just had, you know, endless media reports of people using and testing positive for different things and, and new things being developed that they can't test for. And, you know, it takes them a while to catch up. Um, in 1998, one interesting point is a snowboarder lost his medal after he tested positive for marijuana. Well, that seems ludicrous. I mean. Well, right. Why, why would you say that? But well, because pot wouldn't make you better at snowboarding. Exactly, which is why he got the metal back. Oh, right. <laughs> they didn't have these plans in place ahead of time. No, they didn't. I mean, they took it away because they were like, "Uh oh, he's got marijuana in there. That's a drug." But then that was the argument he made, and then a lot of people made was, "Yeah, but marijuana doesn't make you better at sports." If anything, he should get a do-over. <laughs> they just let him do it. Try it again. I think he should get special commendation because imagine how much better he could have been. I mean, like he did that high. 
That's what I'm saying. He should get like a silver run. Maybe he <laughs> needs it to like carve just right though. And you keep seeing athletes look for things that um, aren't illegal and aren't dangerous. I mean, people are more aware that, you know, they're not just injecting anything strychnine into their body anymore because they, they don't want to die. They don't want their hearts to explode. So um, last Olympics, uh, my understanding is beet juice was very popular. Sure. Why not? Um, because it has nitrates and those are metabolized in your saliva. They're broken down in your saliva into nitric oxide. And the thought was that this might help dilate blood vessels and improve your per athletic performance a little bit if you drink a lot of beet juice. Um, and obviously that's not illegal. You can't test for that and it's not banned. Um uh, still, you hear a lot about athletes using things that are banned, human growth hormone, creatine steroids, um, erythropoietin, um, some things that aren't banned, like beta blockers, which is a certain medication that, well, you're not allowed to take it unless you're prescribed it. Let me say oh. that. A certain medication for blood pressure. Um, but we can't ban everything. Beets are okay. Caffeine is still okay. That was banned for a while, and then it really? came back. Mm -hmm. And then they realized that was crazy. Yeah, right. Um but, you know, what's weird is you, you asked about where the line is with cupping. And that's the weird thing with a lot of these substances. So I mentioned erythropoietin or EPO, which is used to give you more red blood cells. You know the other way you can get naturally have more EPO? No. Just move to Colorado. Really? Higher elevations. Give you, well, that's wild. I had no idea. Because the air is thinner, so you get, you get more. So you get more red blood cells, more oxygen carrying capacity. So if you wanted... To do this, instead of injecting yourself with something, you could just live in Colorado, and that's not illegal. No, it's perfectly legal to live in Colorado. Yeah, it's legal to live in Colorado. It is not legal to use EPO. So it's weird. It's a weird line. Like, what's, what's you know, baking soda's fine, um, but obviously steroids aren't, so. Let's go figure. Cupping is still okay, and I don't, even though it doesn't work, maybe that's why it's okay. Kinesio tape is okay. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it, though. Folks, that's oh, going to do pretty. it. That, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank the taxpayers for the use of their song, Medicines, as the intro and outro of our program. You can find more of their stuff at taxpayers.bandcamp.com. Thanks to the MaximumFun.org network for letting us be a part of their extended podcasting family. Uh, there's a ton of great shows on there that you can go enjoy right now if you head over to MaximumFun.org. I would highly recommend a little podcast called Magic Lessons by our friend Liz Gilbert. You know her as the author of Eat, Pray, Love, and Signature of All Things and Big Magic. She is uh, doing a, a podcast where she talks to people who are in creative professions and tries to help them pass creative stumbling blocks with the help of a lot of cool guests. And it's a great show, and I think you'll really like it. It's on iTunes right now, so you can go listen to it. Uh, anything else, Sensor? I think that'll do it for us, Justin. Well, folks, until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.